This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. <laughs> Another quite exciting day on uh, the radio. Middle of the show, obviously we've got Jeremy Hunt's big statement. We'll get some reaction uh, to that in just a moment. First, though, we kicked off with our economist panel. No Rachel Sylvester today, so today's panel was Libby Purvis and Matthew Powers. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yes, it's that time of the week. We always speak to two of our favourite columnists. And on a Monday, it's usually Libby Rachie, but no Rachel Sylvester today. But we do have Libby Purvis. Morning, Libby. Morning. And we've got special guest star Matthew Powers. Morning, Matthew. Good morning. Matthew, let's start with, uh, let's just get it out of the way. Uh, let's just let you say, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the expression I used was, it won't work, she's crackers. Um, yeah. And you, and you were right, Matthew. <laughs> well, yes, but I, I mean, it was fair. It was obvious to most of our readers, actually. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. A lot of the things that I've written in, in columns in recent weeks, both about Boris and then later uh, uh, about Liz Truss, readers have said, well, that, that's obvious. Why, why are you just telling us the bleeding obvious, so to speak? But uh, a lot of her colleagues in the House of Commons and even some people in the media have taken both Boris and, and Liz Truss much more seriously than I think a, a lot of Times readers ever did. I think I think the readers are rather ahead of the game here. So yeah, this is the column where you, on Saturday you referred back to the column you wrote in August, where you wrote, I'll wager at the outset most readers thought Liz Truss a bit weird, curiously hollow and potentially dangerous. This summer, a short period, will see such rushes to judgment revised. Then government will stand into a huge effort to contain and defang an unstable Prime Minister and we shall revert to our first impressions. Save yourself the detour and stick with them. She's crackers. It isn't going to work. One of my favourite um, uh, hobbies on Friday afternoon, Matthew, was revisiting all those people who wrote columns in sort of early September, say, oh, do not underestimate Liz Truss, uh, all these hidden talents that she was going to, 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 to lay before us. And it turns out that, that, you know, actually somebody's been in frontline politics for a long time. We know pretty much what they're all about. Yeah, we, we, we don't normally get anybody very wrong on, on the basis of uh, what, what we've read about them and heard from them. But I think we sometimes mistrust our own instincts. We think if destiny has put her in Downing Street, destiny may know something that we don't know. Um, but destiny doesn't. 
Uh, Libby, have you, has there been anything about all of this which has surprised you? Uh, not really. I mean, Sunak by Sunday is the slogan being chanted by some people around here. Uh, I think what's interesting is there should be a long, hard look at themselves by the party members who out in the country who preferred a visibly quite stupid white candidate over a clever and well-meaning public servant who happens to be a brown man. I cannot but think there was something of that in it because it was such an obvious choice as to which of them was the brighter and the most sensible, intelligent and, and visionary. And it was Rishi Sunak. And, and they ignored him and they voted for Liz Truss. I mean, I, I do think the party should look at itself quite closely. Matthew, you know the, the internal workers of the Conservative Party pretty well. I know you're not a member now, but are Tory party members prone to self-criticism and self-reflection like that? Yes, they're, they're not bad people. They're, they're, they're rather elderly and they, they, they tend to have slightly spiky political views, which is why they've joined a political party. And I'm not sure they themselves think they were the best people to choose who the prime minister should be. I, I like the Sunak before Sunday thing, incidentally. The other one people are saying is uh, trust before Turkey, which was... <laughs> <laughs> These are good slogans. Sunak before Sunday, trust before yeah. Turkey. Um, Turkey, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm. That's, very, that's very good. Um, Libby, from, you, you've followed politics for a long time. Is there any... Let's try and focus on the positive. Is there any route through this for Liz Truss? Not for her. No, I really don't think so. I think I think that, that that's over. I think there is a way out of it for the Conservative Party if they show enormous in, in the parliamentary party shows enormous sense now. Uh, I am not totally confident that they will. But no, I don't I don't think there's any way out of it for Liz Truss. And obviously, I, I'm a woman. I hate to see a woman brought down, as it were, but she has been wholly brought down by herself, by the sort of the hubris, absurdity and innumeracy of what it is she did. And the damage of that is not over. I mean, I think we have to remember, you know, a lot of these mortgages which shot up, you know, and the, 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 the fragile interest rates, that's not over. Whatever Hunt does... You know, big damage has been done and damage has been done to our international reputation. Damage has been done to our financial reputation. Uh, she has to go. Sometimes people just have to take, you know, take the rap and say, yeah, I did that. That was a mistake. If she had any honour, she would now step aside and hope that the party would unanimously choose someone else. We certainly, we must not have another Tory party leadership election. We have suffered enough. <laughs> They've got to just... Bloody choose someone. Sort it out amongst themselves. Is it just the point you make about her being a woman? Because one of the things has been creeping into a lot of the reporting. Uh, I think this is a quote. This is a quote in the Times on Saturday. Cabinet Minister telling the Times, "It's a very strange place that we're in. Triggered by a lot of sour grapes from a bunch of misogynist men." They're delusional. They can't take it that a woman has won and they've <laughs> lost. No, it's not misogyny. It's mistrust mm. with lots of S's. Mm. <laughs> Um, another one in the, what, in the Sunday Times. This is a vendetta plot, uh, vendetta-driven plot to rerun the leadership election because they don't like the fact they lost to a woman. This doesn't do competent women any favours at all in politics, does it? Of course, of course not. I mean, no, it, it's nonsense. We have got far enough now. I mean, Margaret Thatcher kind of did it. <laughs> We've got far enough for people not to presume that people are against an incompetent woman because she's a woman. I'm against a lot of incompetent men as well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Matthew? Does that, does that play any part in it? Or is that just the, the last sort of thrashings around of uh, cabinet supporters? 
Oh, they're desperate for anything to say in her favor. So, you know, misogyny is, is almost the, the last weapon in their their armory, although a lot of them are pretty misogynistic them, themselves. I, I, I really don't think misogyny has, has come into this at all. In fact, some allowances might have been made for her by rather paternalistic gammon kind of people <laughs> on, account of the fact, on account of the fact that she was a woman. <laughs> and even that won't do. And I do think there's something in what Libby says uh, about uh, the Indian origins of, of Rishi Sunak. I, I don't think more than one in 10 conservative supporters uh, or um, activists would, would think twice or would think at all about, about race or, or colour. But one in 10 is 10%. And, and Rishi didn't lose by all that that much. And, and actually, it's something that loads of people have been in touch uh, since you said that, uh, Libby, saying Libby Post is 100% correct in the comments you just made about brown skin. I think we all know why the Purple Winters didn't vote for Rishi Sunak. Is that a problem, Matthew, for the for the Conservative Party? Not just uh, where they are, um, you know, in their internal workings, but the perception that people outside the party are having, that they didn't choose the best person, in part because of race. I'm not sure what the perception of people out, outside is. And, of course, a lot of people outside themselves might might have partly suppressed racist opinions. I, I, I still think that not to be white in British politics is, is a little bit of a problem for, for people because there is a lot of ingrained racism still there. It, it, can, it can be beaten. I mean, a man of Rishi Sunak's ability, Rishi Sunak's ability can push through all those things. And with, within six months or so, for instance, of his, his being prime minister, everybody would have forgotten yeah. the business about Indian origins. But, but it, it is a problem and we should acknowledge it. Uh, just finally, let's talk about the Labour Party and all this, because um, there's a story in the Times today that, that uh, Labour is training shadow cabinet ministers and how to be in government, because obviously it's been so long. Uh, ninth bespoke 90-minute training sessions are being laid on. Only Yvette Cooper and Ed Miliband have ever actually been in the cabinet before. Uh, Libby, do you think Keir Starmer is doing enough to sort of capitalise, to seize this moment uh, in the way that the, the opposition should? Well, I hope that behind the scenes in bits of training like that, he is. But what you want to avoid is that dreadful moment when, um, who, who was it, which uh, lib liberal leader was it, said, go back to your constituencies and prepare for power. Um, I think David you can't Steele. Be... David Steele, of course. <laughs> David Steele, yes, yes. It was It was a harsh, harsh moment. That was as bad as the um, we're all right that Kinnock shouted <laughs> at that party. Uh, the triumphalism does not work. Um, so I think that it's a very good idea for them to to be considering the, the the nuts and bolts practicalities of how it is to run a ministry, um, I think that's that's sensible. Uh, but I think he he is wise not to be grandstanding, just to carry on plugging away at the specific points of incompetence and recklessness uh, which we have seen. What do you think, Matthew? Is it in the bag for Labour? No, nothing is ever in the bag if it's two years away. All thing kinds of things can go wrong. Uh, the Conservative Party still probably has in the underlying, in the co collective unconscious of British voters, people did tend to think that the Conservative Party were numerate and um, could add up and that they might be rather heartless, but at least they <laughs> understood business and the economy. They've done a lot to um, disabuse the public <laughs> of, um, of that confidence, but, but, but not everything. And, and, and I think if, if we have... Um, a very visible change. And here I go back to what Libby said earlier on. It, it, it's, 
it, it, it can't be a gradual change. It's got to look as though the Conservative Party realised it had made a mistake in, in Liz Truss and got rid of her in, in short order. And then the Conservative Party will es escape, not entirely without blame, but some people might say common sense has, has prevailed. Now, equally with the Labour Party, underlying a lot of people's feelings about Labour is that suspicious, oh, they're sort of 20th century socialists, they, they don't really like business, they're, they're in the pocket of the trade unions. Keir Starmer is doing a lot, I think, to dispel the, those prejudices about the Labour Party, but they'll be there under the surface and things could happen to him within his party, which is a, a curious beast that, that could, could re cause those things to resurface. So in short, I have no idea <laughs> who will win the general election in two years time. Nobody knows. Libby Powers and Matthew Powers then, of course, you can read them both in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, Jeremy Hunt puts Liz Truss's plans in the shredder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Matt Shirley. This is Times Radio. In the next few minutes, we will bring you Jeremy Hunt's emergency statement. Uh, just, what, three days after he was appointed uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer. We'll bring you that live in just a moment. Joining me in the studio, Lucy Fisher, Times Radio's Chief Political Commentator. Uh, Lucy, what do we expect from Jeremy Hunt? Well, we're going to hear more from him, Matt, about um, tax rises. I think we think that the plan to slash one pence off the basic rate of income tax is going to be deferred, if not shelved indefinitely. Very interesting this morning, there is chatter around him redressing the energy package. Now, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about potential cuts to Whitehall departments, potential tax raids, uh, or at least unpicking the tax cuts that were included in the mini budget of three weeks ago. But one of the big things that's gone a little bit under, radar, under the radar is the price of the energy support package and the universality of it. Lots of countries in Europe face the same pressures on uh, energy prices due to the gas crisis precipitated by Russia. But they've done um, support packages for their populations at a much cheaper cost. And this was something you were talking about last week. You were picking yeah. up from, from MPs and ministers. So they, they, it was just a huge, you know, it was a very broad, expensive 
policy. That's right. It cost £60 billion for the first six months. And there wasn't an exit strategy in the way it was announced in the mini-budget. It was promised for two whole years. And even then, difficult to see how the government was going to um, retool um, the wholesale energy uh, prices and, and markets to sort of have an off-ramp even at that stage. So what we're now hearing chatter about we'll hear very shortly from Jeremy Hunt if this is confirmed, is potentially him agreeing the package um, as announced until April. After that, it will not be universal. There'll be support for the most vulnerable in society potentially, but not for the middle classes. And that's a huge change, given the only PMQs last week, Liz Truss was berating the Labour Party because Labour had said do it for six months. Yes. And she was boasting that her plan was for two years. Well, absolutely. It will be another great win for Labour if they can see say yet again, after the windfall tax on North Sea oil and gas, what they claim is a windfall tax on green energy firms that was wheeled out last week, that yet again the government is following where they are leading. Well, we're keeping an eye on uh, Jeremy Hunt. Uh, as soon as he makes his statement, we'll bring it uh, to you. I mean, needless to say, all of this is going to raise further questions about how long uh, Liz Trust uh, can survive. I'll tell you what, let's have, let's have another dip into my WhatsApps uh, uh, from over the weekend. Uh, yeah, here's a message from a cabinet minister that uh, said, uh, yes, she can survive, we need to all calm down. And remember what the alternative to a unified Tory party looks like, a Labour win. Uh, another message here from a Tory MP in a Lib Dem-facing seat. She's gone past the point of no return. The timing of her departure depends on A, the speed with which the party can coalesce around a successor, and B, the reaction of the markets. But then a minute, oh, this is a message from a minister. A current minister in Liz Truss's government says, yes, of course she can survive. It's been a blooming rough start for the PM, but we've got a general election in two years. We need her to lead us into it as a party united in knowing who our true opponents are. Despite the rhetoric, there are far, far more people in the parliamentary party and in our membership who wanted to succeed than not. I think that's probably out, uh, up for dispute. Uh, another minister says people need to calm down. She's acted decisively to address the problems. She's made a wide, wise decision in appointing Jeremy Hunt as Chancellor. The difficulties we've experienced as a result of things being done in haste. She's been in post for five weeks. Those agitated to get rid never wanted as PM in the first place. Uh, former cabinet minister says, can she survive? No, but I don't know how long she has, but it is over. And one more from a former minister. She'll be gone by Halloween, plus or minus a day or two. Forced to resign, followed by a constructed coronation. The last bit's tricky, as who do we back? I think Jeremy may be the man of the moment. He should be the man at the moment right now, uh, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor. Uh, we're not quite sure what's happened to his uh, statement, but Lucy Fisher is still with us. Uh, we'll bring you Jeremy Hunt's statement as soon as we hear him. What are you hearing from people inside the party, uh, is to, uh, Lucy, to just how long Liz Truss has got? Yeah, I, I'm not speaking to many people, if any, in the past day or two who are saying that she can hang on indefinitely now till the next election. Uh, I've actually had a lot of bread themed analogies. <laughs> Good, we like those, go on. One MP said, uh, she's toast, uh, and if we don't get rid of her, we'll all be toast too. Uh, and then another person saying, you can't unburn toast. Um, <laughs> uh, I suppose you could scrape idea. it, you, there is a point at which you can scrape it off and put butter and jam on it and try and convince yourself it tastes all right. Well, maybe maybe the toast is then the party, and the burnt bit is, uh, is Liz Truss that needed to be scraped off in that particular analogy. That, that particular analogy, yeah, that's, that, that's uh, you could well be right. Dominic O'Connell, our business correspondent, just joined. Uh, Dom, we're, we're waiting uh, Jeremy Hunt's uh, statement. How have the markets been this morning? Uh, 
uh, the yield on the 30-year gilt, which is one that we've all come to know and love in recent weeks, has actually come off a bit. So we uh, high gilt yields are bad, and they went up uh, actually last Friday when Jeremy Hunt was, was pronounced chancellor. They got towards the red zone of 5%. They opened this morning at about 4.7% on the 30-year gilt, and they're down to about 45 at the moment. So, so this that, is, this that, that, Which sounds like not much, but it's quite a big move in gilt yields. Just explain to us again what gilt yields are. So a gilt is a thing that a government issues to borrow money. It has a, it has a par value, normally 100p, and it has a coupon, the interest rate that it pays. Now, when gilt yields go up, it means that the effective interest rate is going up, so the price is going down. The coupon stays the same. So if the price goes down, the yield, the, the interest rate you actually get, goes up. So if you want to look at it the other way around, the price of the 30-year gilt has gone from 100p down to about 46p. Uh, which is which is the other way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. But people normally talk about yields because that's the way the market talks about it. So the yield normally has been very close to zero, at 1% in recent years, uh, and now it's at 4.5%. It did go quite close to 5% at various points last week. It's essentially the interest rate that someone lending money to the government is going well, to charge. Well, the... Uh, there's it, another complication of this. The gilt <laughs> yields are basically an indication of what the government may have to pay if it issues yes. bonds in the future. In the future, yes. So but, it's, fu- it's future borrowing costs as indication. What do we? What do you? What do you expect from this statement? I mean, it's a bit unusual, isn't it? We, we only had Jeremy Hunt appointed on Friday. He then arrived. You know, he did a, a sort of media round on Saturday morning where he shredded most of his trust's policies. In, well, there's there's a, there's a rule in the city. If you take over as chief executive and you want to make some changes, do it quickly and do it all at once. You know, if you want to trash your reputation of your predecessor, get it done early and, and don't do it in half measures. So I would, I would certainly expect the 1P and the income, the, the plan bringing forward of that 1P reduction and the basic rate of income tax to happen. There's lots of other stuff in there as well. There, were, there was VAT-free shopping. They brought that back. That had, that had a significant cost. Whether they can go back and actually undo the scrapping of the national insurance uh, um, increase, that was the what was called the social care levy, that's actually been done. So, so whether they can go back and, and actually unravel something that's already been passed through the House, that would that would be a very big move indeed. And what difference does it make both the there's the sort of the, the specifics? Well, we're not doing this, so that gets fifteen billion pounds back in, or we're not doing that, that's two billion pounds back in. And then the overall message to the market that how reassured can the markets be that this is the plan that they'll now stick to and it won't change again well, tomorrow I, or next week. I think that is a very good point because what the market really tests over time is credibility. Not so much the numbers themselves, but are you credible? And you might, some people in the market might well argue this is a sign of instability. We, we've had one chance that we've got another uh, uh, plans that were laid out over a long time over election campaign have, have been rushed through and then withdrawn. Uh, and, you know, is Liz Truss, has she become the symbol of instability uh, at this government? Overall, though, there are much bigger things going on in world markets. Inflation is on the rise. And what gilt yields tell you is how inflation proof uh, investors think Britain is and how inflation proof its bonds are. In the 1970s, when inflation ran away, people who bought uh, gilts, government, UK government borrowing got wiped out. And, that, and they're trying to avoid a repeat of that. And Lucy, lots of talk amongst MPs and others about Britain becoming Italy or Greece. Yes, uh, and uh, indeed, when I put it to the Italian ambassador recently that UK short-term borrowing costs had eclipsed those of Italy for the first time, he also agreed it was pretty outlandish and laughed, saying that he'd never thought he would see the day. I think there is concern growing um, in Parliament about the way Britain is seen on the world stage. A flip side of that may be that because Britain isn't 
in a very strong negotiating position at the moment. That one may be one reason that Liz Truss appears to be in a slightly more malleable mode when it comes to trying to solve the Northern Ireland Protocol. Lots of chatter last week that she's thinking about um, allowing a long-term role for the European Court of Justice in Northern Ireland in order to break the impasse and talks there. Also, that earlier this month, she travelled to Prague uh, on October the 8th to join the first conversation of this new European political community that uh, President Macron and the French have really been pushing. Again, trying to sort of build uh, friends on the continent, uh, relations on the continent after uh, a pretty tricky period domestically. One interesting uh, point that someone, uh, I think it was a minister, maybe it was a former minister messaged me over the weekend, posing the question, how could Liz Truss go into a general election? Oh, in fact, uh, hold that thought. I think we can now go live. This is uh, the statement from Jeremy Hunt. Economic stability. This is vital for businesses making long-term investment decisions and for families concerned about their jobs, their mortgages and the cost of living. No government can control markets, but every government can give certainty about the sustainability of public finances. And that is one of the many factors that influence how markets behave. And for that reason, although the Prime Minister and I are both committed to cutting corporation tax, on Friday she listened to concerns about the mini-budget and confirmed we will not proceed with a cut to corporation tax announced. The government has today decided to make further changes to the mini-budget and to reduce unhelpful speculation about what they are. We've decided to announce these ahead of the medium-term fiscal plan, which happens in two weeks. I'll give a detailed statement to Parliament this afternoon and answer questions from MPs. But because these decisions are market-sensitive, I've agreed with the Speaker the need to give an early, brief summary of the changes, which are all designed to provide confidence and stability. Firstly, we will reverse almost all the tax measures announced in the Growth Plan three weeks ago that have not started parliamentary legislation. So whilst we will continue with the abolition of the health and social care levy and stamp duty changes, we will no longer be proceeding with the cuts to dividend tax rates, the reversal of off-payroll working reforms introduced in 2017 and 2021, the new VAT-free shopping scheme for non-UK visitors or the freeze on alcohol duty rates. Secondly, the government's current plan is to cut the basic rate of income tax to 19% from April 2023. It is a deeply held conservative value, a value that I share, that people should keep more of the money they earn. But at a time when markets are rightly demanding commitment to sustainable public finances, it is not right to borrow to fund this tax cut. So I've decided that the basic rate of income tax will remain at 20%, and it will do so indefinitely until economic circumstances allow for it to be cut. Taken together with the decision not to cut corporation tax, and restoring the top rate of income tax, the measures I've announced today will raise every year around £32 billion. Finally, the biggest single expense in the growth plan was the energy price guarantee. 
This is a landmark policy supporting millions of people through a difficult winter. And today I want to confirm that the support we are providing between now and April next year will not change. But beyond that, the Prime Minister and I have agreed it would not be responsible to continue exposing public finances to unlimited volatility in international gas prices. So I'm announcing today a Treasury-led review into how we support energy bills beyond April next year. The objective is to design a new approach that will cost the taxpayer significantly less than planned, whilst ensuring enough support for those in need. Any support for businesses will be targeted to those most affected, and the new approach will better incentivise energy efficiency. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets, but they can play their part, and we will do so, because instability affects the prices of things in shops, the cost of mortgages, and the values of pensions. There will be more difficult decisions, I'm afraid, on both tax and spending, as we deliver our commitment to get debt falling as a share of the economy over the medium term. All departments will need to redouble their efforts to find savings, and some areas of spending will need to be cut. But as I promised at the weekend, our priority in making the difficult decisions that lie ahead will always be the most vulnerable. And I remain extremely confident about the UK's long-term economic prospects as we deliver our mission to go for growth. But growth requires confidence and stability, and the United Kingdom will always pay its way. This government will therefore take whatever tough decisions are necessary to do so. Jeremy Hunt there, the Chancellor, uh, laying out, was well, really laying out, uh, taking what was left of uh, Liz Truss's plans and feeding it into the shredder. Dominic O'Connell, your, your initial reaction to that? I mean, everything's gone. Everything that hasn't been legislated for. A, a repudiation of everything that was a mini-budget, apart from those things that couldn't be repudiated without going back, they voted back to, on back to the House. Yeah, yeah. The house. So £32 billion pounds, uh, of the £43 billion pounds has been now given back, as, as it were, and, that, and the £11 billion that hasn't been done, that, that are the two things that had already gone to the House. That is the, uh, the social care levy, so the cut to national insurance, uh, and stamp duty, the, the incentive uh, for the housing market. Everything else, <laughs> including, I'm surprised, VAT-free shopping, which I mentioned earlier, has gone. Uh, and also, I suspect, there's a bit of devil in the detail here, the personal allowances, which were which uh, have, um, which are not going up in line with earnings, uh, this is a, a, a Sunak-era uh, um, measure to increase the basic, the broad base of taxation. I think once the IFS has, has crunched the numbers on this and other think tanks, we'll find out that pre, we are now at our much higher tax position than we were pre-mini-budget, much higher. So, 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 the, so the rhetoric around cutting tax and the tax burden has been totally destroyed. Um, Lucy, the political impact on this, I mean, everything, the, the, was it dividend, uh, the change to the dividend tax, uh, the um, payroll rules, VAT, everything, the, the, the income tax cut is not just, because it was going to happen in 2024 uh, under Rishi Sunak's plans, uh, Liz Truss announced she was bringing it forward to 2023. Now it's just not going to happen at all, cutting the basic rate from 20p to 90p. The, the political impact of this, do you think? Well, it's huge, and I think it goes right to the heart of 
what Liz Truss stood on a platform for this summer when she talked about being a low tax um, society, once again, going back to true conservative values. It just really compounds the questions that have been asked over the past week. What does she stand for if she is not able to implement that vision, which clearly um, she's not? And I was struck by how Baldly, that was put by Jeremy Hunt. You know, he said, we are going to reverse almost all the tax measures announced in the growth plan three weeks ago that have not started legislation uh, in the Commons, uh, not putting a gloss on the demolition ball that he has taken to that uh, mini budget of less than a month ago. And and on the, on the energy plan, as we were just discussing, just at PMQs last week, Liz Truss was boasting, uh, our plan lasts for two years, Labour's only last for six months. Well, under... Jeremy Hunt, it now only lasts for six months. Yeah, I think really, really difficult territory for the government to be in, to yet again being follow, uh, to yet again follow Labour's lead on that. Uh, be interesting to see what measures they come up with, how um, much it will be means tested, and what that means for families. Obviously, from April onwards, people will be heading into summer using heating less, but it still leaves huge questions what happens as we head into autumn winter next year if bills um, are still looking likely to peak around six thousand pounds for an average family home unless of course uh, some breakthrough happens in the war in ukraine and russia turns on the taps to the gas to the continent again if you are just joining us that sound you can hear is Jeremy Hunt, the new Chancellor, shredding what was left of Liz Truss's economic plans. Already gone was the cut to the top weight of uh, income tax. Already gone was uh, the uh, cut to corporation tax. Now, in the last half an hour, uh, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, has abolished plans to cut dividend tax. Uh, he's abolished plans uh, to change uh, the off-payroll rules. He's abolished plans for tax-free shopping, uh, VAT-free shopping for uh, visitors to the UK. And he's abolished the, the freeze on alcohol duty as well. Uh, he's promised tougher decisions uh, lie ahead. The two-year uh, plan to freeze energy bills will now be reviewed. Uh, now only lasts until April, the Treasury Review uh, after that, uh, Dominic O'Connell, our business correspondent, here, and Lucy Fisher, chief political commentator. Uh, Dominic, how are the markets reacting uh, right now? The first reaction has been from the pound. When Jeremy Hunt started speaking, the pound was worth one US dollar, 12 cents, 0.8. It's now above one dollar, 13, one dollar, 13.12, something like that. In gilt yields, not such a reaction, actually. They're still roughly where they were when he started, but that is a is a bigger, broader market, and I and I suspect it, it will take a while to react. And they had already started moving on the. They'd already moved this morning. Yeah, but yeah, markets yeah. do tend to prices price uh, in stuff in advance. Just on the on the detail of the changes, there'll be thousands of self-employed workers out there who had been prepared for for the changes to the IR thirty five rules, yeah. which thousands of contractors work under. They, they were prepared for the for those rule rules which are going to be changed. That was going to be scrapped. Now, they're not going to be scrapped, so they're going to go on paying more tax under these new rules. Which, never mind the money, it's been hugely politically contentious. Ah, and hugely disruptive for individuals yeah. as well who had to change their working arrangements and their tax stream and all that. And then the dividend tax, it was going to go up by 1.25% uh, from April. That has also, um, sorry, it's going to be reduced by one2 That has also been scrapped. Uh, well, let's get some reactions to the markets from the markets now. Dan Kemp is Global Chief Investment Officer at Morning Star. Morning, Dan. Good morning, Matt. Um, it, it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for the markets over the last few uh, couple of weeks. Uh, what do you make of Jeremy Hunt's statement and how the markets will react to it? 
Well, I think what we're seeing, Matt, is that the, the markets are responding positively so far uh, to that statement because the, the key uh, atmosphere around the, the city of the last few weeks has been one of, of shock and confusion. And investors hate surprises. Uh, they love stability. And so that note of instability that's permeated all conversations over the last uh, couple of weeks has been taken really badly. And we saw uh, the price reaction to that. And so this morning, we're seeing uh, those uh, those changes reversed and a greater focus on sustainability. Uh, and, and that is uh, encouraging people. But uh, the mistake that a lot of people make at this point is to start projecting that forward, to assume that what's just happened in markets is going to carry on happening. In reality, across the world, we're in a very turbulent time for, for markets. We've got this, this high inflation, not just in the UK, but, but elsewhere. Uh, we've got falling uh, share prices across the, across the world as well and, and rising uh, interest rates. So it's it really important to take that long-term view and not assume assume that just because there's been an announcement and some short-term price changes, that everything's over. It's unlikely to be over. Um, we talk about the market sometimes as if it's a, a, a sort of organism of its own, uh, or, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an algorithm or something. In truth, it's, it's human beings making decisions based on the information that they have. Just, just guide us through a bit what it's been like for the past two or three, four weeks uh, for investors, for people in the markets, trying to make decisions based on the information that's been coming out from the government. Matt, you're absolutely right. The market is made up of people, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of people, from professional investors to traders uh, to people like you and I that are saving for our retirement. And uh, all together we talk about the market, but in reality it is individuals making decisions and we know that individuals aren't always rational in the decisions that they make. Uh, we'll all remember times in our lives when we've been frightened, where suddenly something has shocked us and that's typically spurred us into action. Uh, and those actions are typically predictable. Uh, there's a flight response where people try to run away. There's a fight response uh, where they try to fight their way out of the situation. And there's a freeze response where they don't do anything. And the same is true of investors. Investors aren't any more, professional investors aren't any more rational uh, the new eye. They make mistakes, uh, they react to stimuli, and that's why when you have some sort of surprise as we had uh, in, the, in the budget, then people are immediately trying to react, either by selling what they have because they're scared or, or trying to overtrade or, or doing nothing at all, even though price are changing, potentially the opportunities are, are opening up. And so it's really important that we think of the market as a collection of people that make consistent errors. Uh, it's, it's not about computers. We all use computers, but it's about that decision making. Uh, just finally, Dan, is, is, is the British economy out of the woods now? Is this, are we sort of back to square one or could it still be bumpy over the next few weeks and months? Well, I, the first thing, Matt, is we've got to look beyond uh, weeks and months. Uh, economies take a long time to, to change, uh, and so people shouldn't be expecting uh, big changes over short periods of time that are going to be going to be lasting. But what's what's really important as investors is to remember that the economy is not a stock market. Uh, the UK stock market even is full of international businesses uh, that are reliant on what's happening elsewhere in the world, not just in the UK. So from an investor perspective, uh, people, if they can, need to stop thinking about the economy, and really raise their eyes to the horizon, thinking long-term about the, the companies, the assets they're investing in. And that may be quite different from what happens to the economy over the next uh, days, weeks, or even months. Dan Kemp, really good to speak to you. Dan Kemp there, Global Chief Investment Officer at Morningstar. Uh, let's turn our attention to the, the politics of all of this now. Lucy Fisher 
our chief political commentator is is here. And we're getting a bit more information out of number 10 uh, when uh, when uh, Jeremy Hunt, as well as abandoning all the tax uh, pledges in the uh, mini-budget. Also, what comes ahead, he said, more difficult decisions on tax and spending. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he said today that unpicking the tax changes, the tax cuts that were announced three weeks ago, will raise £32 billion. But we, our understanding is that the fiscal gap that's left is between 30 and £40 billion, depending on whether you take the Institute for Fiscal Studies uh, calculations last week or what the OBR is saying, according to um, reports in the Sunday Times yesterday, that puts that black hole at £72 billion. So still really difficult decisions uh, ahead for the government regarding swinging cuts um, to Whitehall Department's Jeremy Hunt is going to meet with all secretaries of state this week to discuss that. Um, we know from what the uh, Prime Minister's political secretary is saying this morning uh, that uh, she addressed the political cabinet today at 10am to discuss some of the measures that Jeremy Hunt has just announced. I was interested in, in, in two parts of that. The Chancellor told his colleagues again that the, the situation is worsening globally um, and that's one of the reasons that they've had to take action. Again, I think the government just trying to push this line that yeah. this is a gl global problem, not just UK specific, which yeah. I think, frankly, just isn't washing at all. And secondly, Downing Street spokesman trying to push this idea that the growth agenda still lives on. You know, the investment zones will still go ahead and they will do um, speed up road projects. I think when you're grappling uh, for pretty thin gruel when you're trying to point to road projects. And I'll just say one more thing about these investment zones is given the political instability at the moment and the fact that people think Liz Truss may not last much longer in her role, I doubt any businesses are going to be moving to these new geographical areas or channeling cash into uh, into such investment zones. So they look pretty, pretty sure to be a flop at present. Uh, well, let's get some uh, political reaction now. Angela Richardson is a Conservative MP for Guildford and joins us now. Morning, Angela. Good morning, Matt. Your reaction, first of all, to uh, Jeremy Hunt taking all of Liz Truss's policies and putting them in the shredder. Well, I welcome um, the steps that uh, the Chancellor has taken over the weekend, I think, uh, giving a press statement on Saturday to sort of roll the pitch as to what was is going to come and then not waiting for the markets to open, but um, actually coming out and saying that he would make a statement means that we saw at eight o'clock um, this morning when the bond markets opened, um, you know, a, a positive response to the steps that he was taking. And I think it's also important that he's broken with um, um, what Mr. Speaker generally likes to see yeah. statements coming to us in the House first and not out to the press. But obviously there were market sensitivities um, that we all know about in terms of um, worries about pension funds. Um, I think we're all heaving a sigh of relief. Um, it's gone down very well in my constituency that he's been appointed Chancellor of the Exchequer. He is a very safe pair of hands. I think what he's had to do today um, is absolutely the right thing. So what we've seen um, is uh, the 30-year gilts actually come back down, um, the interest rates on them. But the trouble is that we are still looking like we're grouped with Italy and Greece, uh, where we should be uh, grouped with France and Canada in terms of those. So I think there's still a credibility gap of about 100 basis points to fill. Um, I don't and think can Liz Trust do that? Can Liz, is, 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 or is the only way to fill that gap with someone else in charge? So I think we need to look and see what's happening, um, how the markets will respond to the further detail that's going to come out. Um, as was said earlier, um, this covers about £32 billion a year and there is a gap to fill. We need to um, give a bit more confidence in terms of how we're going to go about filling that gap. Um, but One of the things that I would say is that 
Members of Parliament are typically incredibly optimistic people, um, and they're always hoping that you know this will be the solution, and, and you know we can rally behind it and go forward. I think there's also a huge gap between what MPs will say in private and what they're willing to say in public. Um, and um, this morning, I will narrow that gap significantly and say that we should not have ever been in this situation. What Conservative Party members voted for um, over the summer was. Um, the right thing to do in terms of what had been pre-announced um, over, over that period of time and what had been campaigned on. Had that been stuck to, um, the markets would have priced that in and, you know, we still would have had a bit of uh, difficulty, but we saw a huge package um, to support people um, with their energy. I think it's right that we're looking at that again. And we saw those unfunded um, tax cuts. Um, had that not happened, the markets would not have responded in the way that they did. We would not be seeing um, the fact that there's potentially an extra £10 billion that we've got to try and plug. Um, and and I believe that's 100% down um, to the Prime Minister, I'm afraid. And so I just don't think that it's tenable that she can stay in her position any longer. And I'm very sad to have to say that. Have you submitted a letter or, or made this clear to, to Graham Brady? Um, I said during the difficulties with Boris Johnson that any correspondence between Sir Graham Brady um, and myself, if that were ever to eventuate, would be um, a private matter, that I wouldn't discuss that publicly, and there's no reason to change that now. It's just between you, yeah, you, him and his letterbox. Um, in a broader question then, you say that at least Trussie's position is, is now untenable. Is the Conservative Party's position untenable? Is there any way through this, do you think, given the, the damage that you say that Liz Truss has done, is there any way through this for the Conservative Party? Yes, because the action that we've taken today was about restoring credibility, giving confidence, stability, reassuring markets, reassuring mortgage holders, reassuring businesses that they can um, look to invest. And, you know, Jeremy Hunt has come in um, to do his duty as a public servant. Um, the Conservative Party is full of um, hugely talented people who are able to um, act in the national interest right now in order to shore up our um, economy and to shore up the reputation of the Conservative Party, and I think we should be given the space to do that. Uh, lots of messages coming in this morning. People saying that Jeremy Hunt is now essentially in charge. He seems to be calling all the shots. Liz Truss is, in, is Prime Minister in, in all but name. Would it be better if Jeremy Hunt just became the Prime Minister, do you think? I think there are several people who could um, be in contention um, to replace Liz Truss as Prime Minister. Jeremy Hunt is one of them. Um, and, and how do you see that process taking place? Lots of talk about changing the rules of the 1922 committee and so on. Um, does it need to be, in the words of the, of, the, of the moment, a coronation? The party has to come around one person or, or, or is, it, is it plausible you can have a full-blown leadership contest? So I know that members would be very upset to be cut out of the process, but we had a very long and lengthy process that included the members over the summer. I think if we want to see continued stability in the markets, that going out for a protracted leadership um, election to the members would be um, not the right thing to do at this time. Um, there are other mechanisms um, in, in process, including the Prime Minister um, deciding to um, see the political reality of where we are. Uh, you... and taking a decision herself. So, and what's the time scale on that? You said that her position is no longer tenable. Is, the, is, it, is it the moment come for Liz Truss to announce she should resign today, this week? Um, it, it will be up to her, and I suppose the strength of feeling within the parliamentary party, uh, but, you know, there are mechanisms, there are groups of people who can go and speak to the Prime Minister, 
Um, it's up to them, really. I'm a 2019er. Um, I'm not considered an elder statesperson. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I have my views and I have my opinions. Um, but I think sometimes um, the Conservative Parliamentary Party, it's this optimism that, you know, uh, things will change, that things will look up, that if we just do X, Y and Z, it will be OK. I think the most difficult thing is for the Parliamentary Party to unite around a candidate because there will be several people who are upset with the Prime Minister, but they'll all want a different outcome um, to each other as to who's going to take over. And I think that's the single most difficult thing, as it was with Boris Johnson. Uh, just finally, if, if, if it was up to you, who would you like to have as the replacement for Liz Truss? I spent my whole summer campaigning for Rishi Sunak and I won't resile from my support for him. And have you spoken to him about that? Is he, is he, got, is he, is he raring to go? Um, no, I've not spoken to Rishi Sunak um, since he very kindly uh, threw a thank you um, gathering for us the week after the leadership contest finished. And um, so I've not spoken to him since then. Angela Richardson, really appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on Times Radio. Conservative MP Angela Richardson, uh, I think becoming, I think it was fair to say, the fourth MP to say that Liz Truss has got to go. Lucy? Yeah, and interesting that uh, despite saying, you know, she supported uh, Rishi Sunak this summer and didn't resolve from that position, that Jeremy Hunt seemed to be the uh, interim prime minister she thought most likely to take over from Liz Truss if her hand is forced to leave Downing Street. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.